Hello and welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Patrick. Love is one of the most used and most misunderstood or misused words at the same time. It can mean anything from love ice cream or a misplaced attraction between two people that leads to infidelity and sin or the noble love of a mother for her son or in its highest manifestation, the love of God who gives his life on the cross to redeem mankind. The different applications of the word love are so distant between them that it might be difficult at times to distinguish everything and explain its true, deeper meaning. In this episode, I will try to present love insofar as it is a theological virtue, one of the three main virtues infused in our soul at the moment of baptism. In that sense, the most proper understanding of the word love is that theological virtue infused in us at the moment of baptism, by which we love God above all things and for his own sake, and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God. In this sense, love is a synonym of charity, properly understood. And I say that it's the most proper understanding of the word love, because in fact, God is love, as St. John says in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 16. Love is at the essence of what God is. Because of this, properly speaking, any love in this world is a participation in that love that is God. And every other use of the term love should be understood by relationship with that infinite love that is God. So first, let us look at what are some of the uses of the term love that don't refer to the virtue of Christian love. Now, the difficulty is that in English, especially in the U.S., the most common use or meaning of the word charity is given to a charitable organization or a nonprofit organization, an institution that engages in any kind of religious activity in a very broad sense, or even people that help those in need, or even charity can mean the act of helping those in need, or supporting in a general way any charitable institution. In this sense, in this sense, the word charity uh, is typically associated with some sort of tax deduction, we could say. Of course, that meaning is indeed related to the virtue of charity in its proper sense, but it's a different use a different sense or meaning of the word. Now, another inaccurate use of the word love is as a synonym of enjoy or like. In that that sense, we say that I can love ice cream, or I love swimming in the ocean, or I love that movie, and so forth. Now, what we mean to say is that we like or enjoy these things a lot. And in this sense, we remotely relate that to love, but it's not properly speaking love in its highest manifestation. Now, another inaccurate and in many ways quite secular use of the word love is when we refer to sexual intercourse between two people. True, again, it is partially related to true and noble love if that sexual intercourse is a conjugal act that is an expression or a result of a true healthy, 
ordered love between a husband and a wife, ordered to the fruitful procreation of life. However, when it is disconnected from that orderly, noble love, when it is purposely and directly intends to avoid the procreation of life, through, com through contraception, for example, it becomes deteriorated, selfish, and in many times a mere satisfaction of a, of a, satisfaction of a sensual desire. Now, in its more proper meaning, the word love can also have different meanings. The reason behind this is that in ancient times, particularly in, Greek, in Greece, uh, or in Greek language, there were different words for different concepts, while in English we only have one word, love, to refer to all three of them. In Greek, there are three different words that can be used to express the slightly different concepts of, or, or levels of love. And those words are eros, philia, and agape. In sacred scripture, the word eros appears only twice in the Old Testament, while it doesn't appear at all in the New Testament. This word, eros, is basically the love of passion, the love between a man and a woman, that is not actually sought out. It is not something we choose but it imposes itself on us when, for example, a man is attracted or falls in love with a woman, and that love of passion cannot easily be put aside. It is a passion, more than a choice. Passions are those movements of our psyche that are involuntary and not guided by our reason or our will, although they should be geared or oriented by our reason or our will, but not initially. They are not initially guided by our reason. We have spoken about these uh, passions in some previous episodes, particularly episodes 134 and 135. So in case you want to listen to those, I, I will recommend it, actually. So passions are good in themselves, but they are not initially guided by our reason or our will, as we said. Uh, we have to try to guide them, orient them, and in some cases control them so that they move us toward the right object and in the right, in the right measure. A person that has unbridled passions can do some very damaging things to himself and to others, even if that passion is the passion of love. In that sense, any husband or wife will agree that if their spouse starts to love some other person instead of them and argues that it is love that is inspiring them, that love is not illicit love, and therefore it is not an orderly or virtuous love. This love of passion has its proper place, and when it is taken up and ordered and elevated by the reason and the will eliminated by faith, then it can greatly help that higher love, which we can also call charity. Now the second word or type of love is philia. It's a second kind of love in, in, in Greek, which is the love of friendship. It is a good form of human love, a natural love, like the love between two friends, or the natural love between a husband and a wife, or even the well-ordered love between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. This love is more elevated than the love of eros. It can be very noble and long-lasting, but it can still ele be elevated a bit more. So there we come to the third type of love that is agape. This is the word 
that is most commonly used in the New Testament, and it is given a higher supernatural meaning in the lips of Christ. This is the love that St. John refers to when he says in, the, in chapter 13, verse 1 of his Gospel, Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. In his uh, encyclical, Deus Caritas Est, God is Love, Pope Benedict XVI goes into a lengthy description of this kind of love, so I encourage you to read that encyclical that is actually not too long, and it's really good, very clear, very good. Here are some characteristics of this love, agape, in Greek, caritas, in Latin. In English, we have the word charity, which would be more precisely uh, used to translate this type of love. The first thing is that this type of love, charity or agape, is a supernatural love. A love that is the participation in the being of God, who is love. This is why it is more perfect, and we say it is supernatural, because it has merit for eternal life. It lifts and elevates our natural love and puts it in the level of God. Because of this, we can say that true supernatural love comes from God. It leads toward God. And therefore, by its own nature, it will be according to God's law. This is why St. Augustine could say, love and do whatever you want. Because true love always fulfills the law. Another aspect of this love is that it is given to us in baptism and it grows by the action of God. This is why, this is why um, while we can try to do things to grow in this love, like practice uh, acts of charity, above all, we need to ask God to increase his love in us through prayer. This is why we shouldn't be disappointed or frustrated with ourselves when we see that our love is poor. Because that is unfortunately kind of proper to our fallen nature. We should, however, uh, contemplate frequently uh, and accept the love that God has for us. We should try to meditate frequently on all the things that God has given us and he continues to give us. All the things we receive every day. We should be grateful for every single day that we are alive and grateful to God because he is actually showering his love on us daily. If we recognize that love, then we will begin to love in return. The source of love is God himself. As St. John says in his first letter, we love because God loved us first. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. So if you truly want to love God and your neighbor, you have to accept, to recognize, and to consider frequently how much God loves you and allow that knowledge of his love to enter deeply into your heart. Another aspect of true love, 
or charity, is that it is a sacrificial love. It is not a love that is centered on oneself, but a love that desires above all the benefit, the good of the person that is loved. And the highest good we can desire is for that person to reach heaven. Many times what we think is love, or what we call love, is actually, unfortunately, love of self, or selfish love. We want to be with that person because we enjoy that person. Or we want to have that thing, or be with that pet, or be in a particular place. And we say we love this, or that, or that place. Because we take pleasure in being with that thing or in that place. But love is highest when we don't seek ourselves, but when we desire the well-being of the other, of the beloved, we could say. This is why it is possible to love our enemies and why Christ commands us to love our enemies. Finally, this love of charity is actually the foundation of all other virtues. It gives life to everything else that we do. It brings inspiration and order to all our good actions. And it helps us avoid sin at its root. Without charity, all the good things we do in other areas are very poor, or even nothing in the eyes of God. As the Catechism says in number 1827, the practice of all the virtues is animated and inspired by charity, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It is the form of the virtues. It articulates and orders them among themselves. It is the source and goal of their Christian practice. Charity upholds and purifies our human ability to love and raises it to the supernatural perfection of divine love. And we also read in number 1826, If I have not charity, says St. Paul, I am nothing. Whatever my privilege, whatever service, or even virtue, if I have not charity, I am nothing. So to make this a little bit more practical, here are some examples that can be helpful. To know how to practice charity, or true supernatural love, in your daily life. One simple example would be to help a friend or a classmate who is struggling to understand some math problem, for example, or history concept. It takes patience when you understand perfectly well and you have to deal with a person who for some reason might not be able to understand. Another example would be to clean after yourself in your dorm room or kitchenette or even clean when someone else when some other roommate left dirty dishes in the sink. Or if you're dating and you want to break up, don't break up through text message, please. That's not very nice. Take the time to explain your situation and be sensitive with the emotions of the other person. One other good way of practicing true love is to make an effort to stay pure in your dating relationships and respect the other person as a person, and avoid objectifying them. There are many other uh, examples that I could give, but I, I'll give you now some examples of the lives of the saints. 
One of them is St. Martyr, St. Martin of Tours, who died in the year 397 AD. He was a Roman soldier who eventually became a monk and later Bishop of Tours, France. And while he was a soldier, he once came across a homeless beggar who was suffering because of the cold. St. Martin gave him half of his, fl of his cloak. Now that same night, Jesus appeared to him wearing the cloak that Martin had given him earlier, confirming the gospel, where Jesus says, Whatever you did to any of these little ones, you did it to me. Another pretty amazing example is that of St. Isaac Jogues. He was born in France in 1607. He joined the Jesuits and became a priest and then a missionary in North America, primarily in what today is New York and Canada. At one point, he was captured by the Iroquois and suffered a long imprisonment and constant torture. They cut his uh, fingers in his hands, and particularly the thumb and the forefinger, that were needed to say Mass. Even the Dutch, who were not friendly to the French, tried to free him, and indeed they did. He was sent to France, where he was hailed as a hero, even by the Queen of France herself. However, St. Isaac asked to be sent back to the missions in North America to continue to work for the salvation of the Hurons and the Iroquois. However, he knew well that if the Iroquois saw him, they would try to kill him as he, has, as he had uh, escaped their grip in the past. So this is clearly an expression of true love. And indeed, he returned to North America, and he was eventually captured by the uh, Iroquois. This time, they kill him promptly, so he died a martyr in October 18th, 1646. A true supernatural love, driven by the love of God, that desired, in this particular case, the salvation of the Iroquois, even at the price of his life. He knew he would die, and he offered his painful death for the conversion and salvation of his murderers. So let us say a short prayer. St. Martin of Tours, St. Isaac Jogues, pray for us that our Lord may grant us an increase in this true sacrificial love, that we may live for the glory of God and the well-being of our neighbor, even if we have to sacrifice something, even if we have to suffer or even die for the salvation of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please share this episode with your friends. And if you can, please leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We will see you next time. May God bless your day.